If you have your Bibles with you this morning, and I hope that you will, uh, would you open them with me to Mark chapter 2. We're going verse by verse through the book of Mark. And today I want to talk to you about God is in charge. Most of us have been in church long enough to know that that is something that we would agree with uh, with our mouths. But yet in our hearts, most of us would probably have to acknowledge that while we recognize that God is in charge, that we don't always like that. It's one thing when God's promises are talking about the fact that He never leaves us, the fact that we're in the palm of His hand, that He uh, will be with us through the storms of life and all of those. Those moments when we recognize the authority of God or encouragement. But when you have ever been reading the Word of God and it has said something that you did not care for, whatever that would have been, you are struggling with the fact that God is in charge. You say, Jake, God and I can disagree and everything can be fine. Look up here for just a moment. No, you cannot. Either God is in charge and you recognize it, or God is in charge and you choose not to recognize it. God being in charge does not depend on what I think or what I feel or really anything at all. The universe and His power are going to continue on until He says it's time for a new heavens and a new earth. God is going to sit on the throne whether I acknowledge it or not. The question is, if I am a child of God, if I want a marriage that can be blessed by God, if I want to be a part of a church that can be used by God, if God can use me as I go to work or wherever I go in my life, there is only one way for that to happen. And that is for me as a child of God to say, Lord, you're in charge. You are in charge in every single area. You say, well, Jake, what are some of the areas that you struggle with God being in charge? I don't mind to tell you that. There are times when I would not on my own forgive people. I would say, God, you just don't understand what they've done. You don't understand how they've been. I'm not going to forgive. But yet the Bible tells us that we have a high priest who can sympathize with us in every weakness. So when I say, God, you don't understand how I'm struggling to, uh, to forgive, he can say, I know. I've been betrayed. Or when someone's talking bad about you and spreading rumors in those moments, I'm like, no, nah, I don't care what happens to him, Lord. They can fall down a flight of stairs for all I care. Not, not, you know, don't bother me at all. Lord, you just don't understand how mean they have been. And then the Lord can say, I've been betrayed. I've been lied about. I've been spit upon. I've had my beard torn out. I went to the cross undeservingly. I understand what you're going through. Whatever that is, whatever area that you are struggling with, the Lord understands. And the question is not, does He give you what you need, the question is, what will you do with it? What will I do in my marriage when sometimes I read the Word of God and I think to love her like Christ loves the church is easier said than done. Amen. Or when it says that she should submit, submit to the authority of her husband and all you ladies look at me like, that doesn't mean that. That's what it means. Both of those mean that exactly like it says. But if you're here and saying, well, that's never been a struggle for me, then your struggle is with lying. How many of you have had a bad boss at work and you're like, well, I know I'm supposed to respect him, but that guy is a dummy, right? And our company is known for promoting dummies, all right? I, I just can't take it. 
In that moment, the Word of God says one thing, but yet real life hits and you're like, God, you're in charge. We come to the passage of Scripture today. Jesus is dealing with people who have made religion about themselves. And what is going on in our passage today is the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders are following Jesus, looking for ways to put Him to death. They're looking for ways to find things that they can disagree with Him that will allow them to punish Him. And this is very important because it all revolves around the Sabbath. And we're going to talk about what the Sabbath meant and what it means today and all of those things. But don't miss this one simple point. What had happened was these men had added all kinds of rules, all kinds of traditions, all kinds of other things that had made the Sabbath a day that was burdensome. It was a day that you could not do anything. It was a day that you were always worried about had you did too much. And Jesus says, you've missed the whole point. You have missed the point of the Sabbath and the fact that I am in charge. And today I really hope that you will allow the Lord to deal with your heart about, God, what areas of my life have I not let you be in charge? Maybe it's your marriage today. Maybe it's how you raise your kids. You say, well, Jake, but if I do it God's way, it will be more difficult. It will not, I promise you. You say, what about raising kids? The Bible tells us that we're not to provoke our children to wrath. The Bible says that we're to teach them the commands of God, to lead the example, but yet... If you read the Old Testament, you need to realize something. The Word of God is full of different kinds of literature. Some of it is a proverb. And if you read a proverb and think it's a promise, you're going to be disappointed. Because parents, you can train up a child in the way that they should go, and they still go the wrong way. It's a proverb. When you read the Old Testament rules about sacrifice and offerings, you need to understand that Jesus came to fulfill those offerings. And so if you're trying to sacrifice animals in your front yard, someone is going to report you to the law. Why? Because Jesus fulfilled the law. And so when we read through the Word of God, we have to remember something, that it's all about Jesus. Him fulfilling it, Him accomplishing it, and Him being in charge of our life. And so I want to read a verse to you this morning because the heart behind why you make the decisions is will affect how you live. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 24, the Bible says, Let no one seek his own, but each other the one's well-being. God says as believers, we are living to honor God and to love each other. And if that's not your heart this morning, this sermon is not going to mean anything to you. But if you love Jesus and love other people, then you will understand what God is trying to accomplish through your life, through your marriage, through your children, and through this church. And so if you would stay away for just a moment as we honor God's Word and read Mark chapter 2, verses 23 through 28. Now it happened that he went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. That's Friday night from 6 p.m. to Saturday at 6 p.m. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry, he and those with him? 
how he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar, the high priest, and ate the showbread, which is not lawful to eat except for the priests, and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, don't miss this, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. If you would pray with me. Father, I come today, Lord, totally inadequate for the task that is before me. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's anything in my heart or life that would quench or grieve your spirit this morning, that you would forgive me. Lord, that your spirit would be at work in this place, finding the deepest, darkest, most hidden parts of our hearts and lives, and, Lord, revealing truth to them. Lord, I pray that you would help me to show today that this is a message of encouragement. God, that you are in control, that you have our best in mind. And so, Lord, I pray today for that person that's here that doesn't know you. Today would be that day. And I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So when we look here in this passage of Scripture, there are two things, only two points this morning I want to show you. The first is this, we must always be careful not to twist the Word of God. We must always be careful not to twist the Word of God. What had happened was the Word of God gave specific instructions about the Sabbath, what was supposed to happen, but these individuals had added, some scholars believe, between two to 8,000 different rules, different things that you couldn't do, the things you had to do this way. And when Jesus shows up, the Sabbath was such a day of burden and such a day of rules and such a day of just all of this religious hypocrisy that he wants to remind them something, that everything we do in regards to the Lord is about Him. We worship Him, we honor Him, we celebrate Him. And so what is going on here? Let's just look at these two verses. Now it happened that He went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And as they went, his disciples began to pluck the heads of grain. And the Pharisees said to him, Look, why do they do what is not lawful on the Sabbath? As you can imagine, in this day and age, from Jerusalem to other large cities, there would have been fairly good roads to travel on. But if you decided that you didn't want to go from Mount Vernon to McLeansboro and you wanted to go out into the Beaver Creek area, there probably wasn't a really good road. And so what happens over time as people are walking everywhere on the edge of fields and in little paths, they begin to walk. You can see it in the forest today. People that that ride horses or, or motorcycles, you'll see that trails begin to form. And what the Bible said was as people walked along a field, as they were walking, if they did not have provisions or if they were hungry and needed some sustenance for their trip, They could reach into the edge of a field, just in arm's length, take a little bit of that and eat it to sustain them, to get them where they needed to go. And that's what happened. Jesus and his disciples are walking along. They reach out, take a little bit of grain. They eat it and the Pharisees begin to say, you can't do that. You've broken the law. You have dishonored the Sabbath. Now, I want to be very clear that dishonoring the Sabbath was a big deal. And for two reasons in the Old Testament. Look in Genesis chapter 2. It is referred to as Sabbath was created 
as a part of God's creative work. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And on the seventh day, God ended His work when He had done, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it He rested from all His work that God had created and made. We see here that God created everything in six literal days. And I know this is not popular, but the world is thousands, not millions of years old. This uh, last two days, my family and another family from church were at the Ark and the Creation Museum, and uh, lots of people and lots of things going on, and I just stood out in the, the main area some and didn't see the attractions, and my wife's like, why aren't you going in there? I was like, I believe it. I don't need to read it. I believe it. I know that this is how God created everything. I know this is how God flooded the earth, but what I do want is my kids in there. I want them to see it. I want them to understand it. Because why? The Bible teaches us that God made everything in six literal 24-hour days and then said, I'm going to rest. But God didn't need the rest. God did that as a pattern for us, for the people that would come in His creation. And so what He says here is, is it's a big deal. God set this day apart for the nation of Israel. But in Exodus 20, let's listen to what God says about the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is in within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. It even says in other places that the punishment for breaking the Sabbath is death. And so what is going on here? The Bible told us though in the Old Testament that you could pick the grain. But these individuals had added that you couldn't pick the grain. Now the Bible does say in the book of Exodus that they they shouldn't have farmed for profit. But they weren't doing that. They were just getting what they needed. And this is so important today. Friends, so many times what happens is Satan begins to try to twist the things of God. He begins to try to add the things of God. And so you say, Jake, I want to be the parent God wants me to be, but man, being involved in my kids' lives and holding them accountable and teaching the Word of God and bringing them to church, man, it just gets exhausting. It is not nearly as exhausting as the years that will come if the Lord does not get a hold of them. You say, what about our marriage, Jake? You know how hard it is to have date nights and how hard it is to pray together, how hard it is to read the Bible together, how hard it is to forgive and to tolerate the stupidity that my spouse is. Not near as heartbreaking and not near as damaging as it will be when you're dragging your kids through court and dragging your kids through custody fights and dragging your family through all of this. God's Word is not burdensome. It is there because God loves us. It is because God will lead us and guide us. It is a light. It is a lamp, the Bible says, to our path. What happened is Satan has convinced us that the blessings of this world are more important than the Word of God. And what Satan has done is he has worked through religion to put undue burdens on God's people, to unbiblical restrictions that cause us 
to fear and to doubt and to question the love of God. But we must always study the Word of God in its truth. Second thing I want to show you this morning is we must always remember the one who is in charge. Look what it says here starting in verse 25. But he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and hungry? He and those with him, how he went into the house of God in the days of Abathar the high priest and ate the showbread which is not lawful to eat except for the priest and also gave some to those who were with him. And he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. So Jesus references a specific event that they would be aware of. Jesus is teaching them by something that they already knew. And He's talking about 1 Samuel chapter 21. King David is running for his life. Saul is trying to kill him. David has a small band of followers and they have nothing to eat. David goes to where the priest was. And at that time, he asks the priest, I need some food. But David did something that was sinful. David lied. David said, I'm here on official business. And so what happens is the priest says, I have no regular bread, but I have this bread. And if you want to read about the showbread, you can read about that in uh, in Exodus chapter 34, Exodus chapter 25. But what that was, was loaves of bread that were put before the Lord's altar for a week at a time. And at the end of that week, the bread was taken off and eaten by the priest. The bread was a reminder for the people who came to worship God that God was their provider. That God supplied everything they needed to the twelve tribes of Israel. And David shows up and says, I'm on the run. I need something. I need provisions. I am in need of something to eat. Now, it's not an accident that what is Jesus' disciples doing? Getting something to, oh, come on, eat. And what happens here? Even though it was ceremonially wrong, because David wasn't a priest, in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 9 and 10, this man goes to the Lord in prayer and says, Is it all right to help David even though it's against the religious rules of the day? Look what it says in verse 9 and 10. Then answered Doeg the Edomite. This is the guy that is tattling on the high priest, or the priest for doing this. It gets him killed. Who was over the servants of Saul and said, I saw the son of Jesse going to Nob, to Ahimelech, the son of Ahud. And he continued, inquired of the Lord for him, give him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath, the Philistines. God says, yes, it's okay for him to eat this food. It's okay for him and the men to eat it as long as they're clean. Not We're not talking bathing clean, but that they weren't living in any sinful situations. And what that means is, if you know anything about the day and time that this was, uh, soldiers were known for uh, rambunctious living, right? Uh, living in quarters and with people that were, were not their wife. And David says, no, we're, we're, we've been away from women. We've not done anything like that. We are clean. And God provided 
You see, what happened was, in your life, you need to know something. God wants a relationship with you. God can meet your needs. God can bless you. God can work in you if you are just willing to focus on Him. Jesus says, you guys are trying to do things and add things to people when God is a God of love. Now, two things happens right here. Please stop. Everything you're doing, listen. The legalist says... You can't offer that bread. It's wrong. The liberal says, see, God wants me to do whatever I want, however I want to do it, and all He does is love me. Both of those are wrong. What He is saying is, when the law of God is given, when the commandments of God are given, there is no budging. There is no moving. But friends, don't take things out of context and add things and and twist things for your benefit or mine. That's why we believe that Jesus says He is the only way to heaven. There is no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. The Bible teaches us unapologetically that if the Spirit of God is living within you, He is going to be convicting you of sin and righteousness and judgment. And so if you're here today and you say, Jake, I'm a Christian, but my sin doesn't bother me. Look up here. You are either not a Christian or two, you are wandering from God in such a position that you should be very, very worried. Because I believe that a Christian living in open sin, God would rather take you home and let you go. And so you need to know that today, that God loves me. God cares about me. God knows my need. You say, Jake, what does this have to do with the Sabbath? Well, this was the one way religious leaders could show people who was in charge. They couldn't do the miracles. They couldn't call down fire from heaven like Elijah. They couldn't walk across a dry land like Moses. And so their mindset was, if we can control the Sabbath, we're in charge. And what God wanted them to be reminded of was, no, you're not. I'm in charge. So what does that mean for us today as Christians? Because you're saying, Jake, we're worshiping on Sunday. It's not the Sabbath. The Sabbath was Friday night at 6 to Saturday night at 6. Colossians chapter 2 says this, So let no one judge you in food or in drink, or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. Of all the Ten Commandments, honoring the Sabbath is the only one not repeated in the New Testament. So you say the Sabbath doesn't matter. No. Remember what I said about Jesus coming to fulfill the law. The Sabbath is now fulfilled in Him. He is our rest. He is the one who gives us real peace. He is the one who is to be worshipped. And so while in the Old Testament they took a day to reflect and to worship, it was never real rest. Real rest is when you can lay your head on the pillow at night knowing that Jesus Christ has forgiven you from all of your sins. That your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That if you fell over today, absent from the body is present with the Lord. Knowing today that while you might have an earthly home, the Lord has built you a heavenly home. That is real rest. The forgiveness of sin. The ability to be able to say, God, everything I need, everything I have need of can be found in you. You say, well, is that biblical? Hebrews 4 verses 9 through 11. 
There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. What was the Sabbath? It was a day of rest. And in Hebrews 4 it says, There remains what? A rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now, one of two things happens. The legalist says, what do you mean we're not supposed to worship together as believers on the Lord's day? I didn't say that. The liberal is saying, see, all I got to do is watch it online. I don't need a church family. I didn't say that either. What I said was Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament Sabbath and gave us something better. That's all right. You're looking at me like a calf in a new gate. Matthew chapter 28. Now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came back and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. And the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay. You see, everything that we had hoped for was fulfilled on that Sunday morning, on the resurrection, on the third day, when Jesus came out of that grave. And every promise that has been fulfilled is wrapped up in the resurrection. And so what has happened went as a day of rest, that you couldn't do this, you couldn't walk this far, you couldn't do this. Now is a day where we come celebrating that victory is won. We come celebrating the fact that we win. We come celebrating the fact that Jesus Christ has overcame sin and death and the grave. And we know that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what happens in our situations, no matter what happens in our marriage, that He has won. And so the Sabbath Old Testament has been fulfilled in Jesus. You say, well, Jake, why is it important that I gather with my church family? I don't have a desire to worship. I don't have a desire to be with God's people. That's a problem. Because in Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is with a group of people. And listen to what it says. Now on the... You're going to have to participate or I'm going to preach an hour and a half. First day of the week. When the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. That's probably a six-hour sermon. But they wanted to be together. They wanted to hear about Jesus. They wanted to hear about what was going on. They were taking the Lord's Supper. They were fellowshipping. They were teaching the Word of God on the first day of the week. In Revelation chapter 1, the Apostle John writing the book of Revelation. The church has been in existence. All of this has been going on now for over three decades at least. If not four or five or six decades. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. 
And I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. The Lord's day was Sunday. In 1 Corinthians 16, the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, Now concerning the collection of the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So the New Testament tells us that Sunday is a day that we come to celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. He tells us, one, that we should be worshiping the Lord every day, but especially on Resurrection Day. Privately, that's what John was doing. Paul was worshiping publicly on the Lord's Day. And they were also taking up an offering on the Lord's Day. So you say, Jake, why is it that we talk about gathering together? We talk about giving together. We talk about celebrating together. We talk about honoring Jesus together. Because why? That is the pattern that was set. That is what the followers of Jesus do. Why? Not because you have to. Not because if you walk 3,000 feet, God's going to strike you dead. No but because everything Jesus has done for us, we don't have to, we want to. Everything that God's done for me, all the ways that He's changed me, all the ways that He has forgiven me, it's not a question of should I or will I. I am going to be glad because they have told me that I can go to the house of the Lord. You see, God's people, you should be thanking the Lord every day of the week. But Sunday is something that's special. Not because of what you did. Not because of what some rule says. But because Jesus overcame sin and death and the grave. And because He did that. One of these days, if you know Him, you are going to overcome. One of these days, because of what He did on the cross, He was the first fruit. And you and I will get to follow Him. And so what does that mean? Jesus is saying, don't get hung up on all that other stuff. Remember who's in charge. He says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. He says, I make the rules. I give the commands. I'm the one that sets the restrictions. He says, you guys are nobody. He says, quit putting bondage on people that I am here to set free. And friends, this morning, that's the greatest thing I can give you from this sermon is this. Do not let Satan put bondage on you that God has set you free from. Personally, I believe it was a big deal to break the Sabbath in the Old Testament. But you know what I I believe is even a bigger deal? To not honor the Lord's day knowing what He's done for us in the New Covenant. I believe that God has a blessing for His people when we gather together, when we worship together, when we sing together, when we pray together, when we weep together, when we laugh together. I believe there is something that God does. And so this morning I encourage you, don't rob yourself of that blessing. You say, well, Jake, what does that mean for the rest of the day? Look up here. Whatever your conscience tells you, I guess. You say, wait a second, should I mow my yard on Sunday? I hate to mow my yard. Hate it more than life itself. I would weed kill every bit of it if I could. 
You say, well, Jake, I love it. It's relaxing. It's peaceful to me, and, and I don't have my kids here or something. But hey, you know what? I guess if you want to mow your yard, it's between you and the Lord. You say, Jake, should I go out and eat on Sunday because someone else is working? It's between you and the Lord. But what I can tell you is this. There better be some time set aside to worship the Lord. There better be some time set to gather with God's people. There better be some time where you can understand that people need you and you need them. And I'm going to worship Him. You say, well, Jake, what does that look like? What I can tell you is this. I have... I understand that people will go on vacation. I understand that people uh, need to travel for different things. But when you wake up on a Sunday morning, the first desire of your heart should be what? To worship God and to worship God with His people. You say, how is that any different than every other day? It really shouldn't be. You should look forward every morning to worshiping God, to serving Him and honoring Him. Now, I've done this long enough to know that most of you probably didn't wake up that way. <laughs> you probably didn't even ride to church that way. But I'm telling you, if you can get to a place where you say, God, I know that you're in charge. I know that your promises outweigh anything this world has to offer. And Lord, I'm going to do things your way, and I'm going to trust that you will work. I promise you that he will. I promise you that whatever God asks you to give up, what he has in front of you is greater than what is behind you. What does that mean? And I'll be done. First is this. If you're here and you are not a Christian, you have never trusted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life. You don't know what life could be. You have no idea what real freedom, real peace, real forgiveness is until you are forgiven by Jesus. You say, Jake, I'm making it all right the way I am. You know, I'm doing pretty good. Friends, you have no idea, but the Bible says you are dead in your sins and trespasses. You say, well, Jake, what does that mean? That means that the Lord has made a way for you to be saved. He died on the cross for your sins and for mine. And the Bible says if you will repent when the Holy Spirit deals with you and call upon His name, you shall be saved. You say, well, Jake, I know I'm a Christian. What does that mean for me? Well, if you're like me, even though you know you're a saved person, there are still some areas of your life that you don't want to let the Lord be in charge of. You say, not me, Jake. That's not who I am. I disagree with you, but it's your story. Tell it how you want to. Today, will you honestly get along with God and say, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this area. God, I'm not going to fight you in this area. God, I'm going to be who you want me to be regardless if I don't see it now. Kind of like the old song used to say, trust and obey, for there's no other way. And friends, that is totally and completely true. You say, Jake, right now I'm in a good place. God's got me where he wants me. He's using me. Then you ought to be thanking him because none of it would be possible without the Lord of the Sabbath. None of it would be possible without the victory that Jesus has won for you and I. If you would stand and bow your heads and pray with us at this time. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, not my word, but yours. Lord, I just pray this morning that everything is about you. Everything is about worshiping you, honoring you, loving you. And Lord, as your word says, whatever we do, 
whatever we eat or drink, that we would do it all for your glory. Lord, help us to believe that in total and complete dependence. God, that our lives, every moment, is about you. Lord, help us to also remember that we don't seek our own good, we don't seek our own profit, but we live that you might use us to reach others. And so, Lord, help us to love you and to live for you that you might use us for your glory. And Father, today I just ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.